They say everything's bigger in Texas, and so um, I'm believing it. As I drive down I-35, actually my wife drove down, and uh, people in Texas drive crazy. <laughs> if you're going the speed limit, you will get run off the road, and uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I just want to... Um, It is with a spiritual pride that I started crying. I was thinking, okay, I remember meeting with Pastor Trevor. We were finishing up, uh, build on to our church, a new auditorium. He comes to my office and he says, hey, you know the burden God's given me, given me a, a vision to plant a church in Kyle, Texas. And I said, Trevor, give me one year. And I said, I promise you, we will do our best to resource you. We will financially support you. Uh, we will do whatever we can. And your pastor kept his mouth shut for as best as he could. And uh, a year later, he comes to my office as a pastor. It's been a year. He said, God has given me a word. God has given me a vision. And I said, Pastor Trevor, we will do everything we can. And I was able to be with you all years ago in the elementary school. Um, forget the name of it, but uh, the church has matured. It's blossomed under your pastor's leadership under his direction, and you have a church. What you don't know is you have a church six and a half hours away in Yukon, Oklahoma, just out of Oklahoma City, that loves you, that's praying for you, and we are your partners. And I want you to know Trevor and Lindsay actually are amazing leaders. Can we give it up to them? They, um, they love you. Pastor's heart to lead and to shepherd is very special. And um, I'm just glad we have the opportunity to, uh, to be a part of this and uh, this team. I walked in and uh, about a month and a half ago, my wife ran this area and we wanted to see Keaton and our brand new daughter-in-law, Miss Hannah. She's precious. And uh, see, we raised three boys. And so this whole girl's being added to our family. Keaton got married June 1st. Kel got married July 22nd. And Carter will be married December 14th. And so all three of our boys within six months we married. And they began to show us around. And, uh, and we sent people here to help with the build out and, and all that. But I had not had a chance. Pastor Joe came down and spoke. And, but I had not had a chance. And... Um, and it blessed my heart to see the church was, was healthy, was growing. But in worship today, it's kind of like when you see a baby born and it's your baby and you're excited and you're also nervous and you're like, oh, we've got to take this home with us now. Yeah. You know, you're like freaking out, you know. And, uh, but to see the church now go well past infancy and it's growing. And I'm going to tell you, your best days are yet ahead. And I want to, I want to, really, I want you to help us capture vision, because the Bible speaks much about he who sows generously will also reap generously, but he who sows very little will also reap very little. I want you to understand this is good soil, and we have to be thinking about what's next. We can't continue. The church is going to be stifled in its growth. Uh, we can go to three services, four. We have did that at UConn, uh, at Discovery Church. But I want to tell you, I want you to help pastor capture the vision and be givers. 
Listen, my wife and I are now in a season to where we're seeing, in fact, God told me about six months ago, you're entering a season of your church and your family and your own life of my favor. And as we were worshiping today, tell this church, God spoke this word to me, you're in a season of favor. But don't take that favor for granted. With favor comes the responsibility to obey. And so I'm going to ask you to give beyond your capacity. You see, every time we give beyond our capacity, our capacity grows. And, and so I want you to be a part of this. And you can go to, to help me out, put this slide up there. You go to Radical radicalchurch.life and, uh, and give, or you can give the old-fashioned way today. You've got envelopes there behind your seats, and you can give as you leave. As you leave. But I want you to be a part of this. We, I told Trevor, I said, I'll come on, uh, on two circumstances. On, uh, I want to give. So we brought a check from Discovery. I'm not, this offering today is not going any toward me, my wife, or my family, or Discovery, and, uh, because we want to give back. And we want to continue to give back. And so um, I serve on pastor's board. And, and, and listen, I, I look forward to, I get a lot of calls. Uh, but I look forward to seeing Trevor Ashley, his name pop up on my phone. And let me back step just a little bit. Most of the time I look forward to his account. <laughs> and, uh, but I want you to understand, we've got to consider what's next. We are where we are, we're blessed and we're grateful for where we are, but there are people that need Jesus right outside these four walls that are hurting and without hope, and our responsibility is to give them hope and give them Jesus, okay? So I want you to help me preach this morning, and let's pray over our offering, over our tithe, and I want God to speak to you what he would have you to give. I had a guy last week at Discovery say, I tore up my check three times because you kept talking. And he said, Kevin, it, it was five times what I'd originally brought my check to give. And, uh, and he's Church of Christ. He said, I've been there in January. And he said, I, I felt the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thought my phone was on vibrate. And, and then he's like, I don't know what it is, but I love this. And then he just started crying and weeping and, and came to the front. And he said, I've never been to the altar in my life. And, uh, and uh, but... Let's, let's give from our hearts, not out of compulsion, but out of thankfulness and a, grateful, a gratefulness for what God has done. Amen? Amen? Father, thank you for giving. You gave it all when you gave your son. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to die for our sins. And God, I pray just a special blessing on every person today as they give. God, you would blow their mind with your faithfulness. And God, so that the church can go forward. We're thankful for the past. We're thankful that we have this opportunity in the present. But we've got to have vision for what's next. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So two months ago now, we finished a series entitled Truth or Dare. How many of you ever played that little game? Truth or Dare, Truth or Dare. And, and really what we're seeing in our culture is people are without truth. And they're saying things like there is no absolute truth. Well, there is. Jesus is the way, the truth. and the life. And, and we know that the truth sets us free. And so we're going to concentrate today 
on the truth. Now, Trevor's already forewarned you, but we're going to be talking about a very sensitive sub subject matter, but it's very close and very near to my heart because of what's happening in our culture. I want to tell you, in, in 30 years of ministry, I started preaching when I was 15 and a half, almost 16. Uh, God had placed a call on my life, and I'll never forget, I was at a youth camp, and, and, and I thought, God, I think I just overheard you calling someone over there, so I'm sorry. And, and God said, no, that call is for you. And I began to preach. I was raised on a farm. I preached to cows. God just simply said, write messages out and go out in the, in the pasture and preach to cows. So I literally preached to cows. And let me tell you, brimmers are the hardest-hearted cows out there. <laughs> they are stubborn because they would chase me as I was trying to preach to them. Um, but um, I, over the last 30 years, in, the, in fact, the last three years, I've had to deal with sexual sin more than any other times of my entire ministry. And there are all kinds of different sins, yes. But the Bible says a person who sins sexually sins against his own body. And so today I want to talk to you about, there's, there's physical abuse, obviously. There is emotional abuse. And there is even spiritual abuse. As some of you know what church hurt is all about because people have taken advantage of the position or title that they were given. But today I want to talk to you about sexual abuse. And we're going to look at a story that, um, and I want to be very sensitive uh, uh, to the subject matter. And I'm going to speak the truth from my heart, but I'm not going to read a, the portion of this passage that is, is very specific. But if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 13, I want to preface this scripture reading by, by telling you the backstory. Okay. David had, had several sons, his oldest of which was Ammon. And Ammon um, fell in love with his half-sister. Her name was Tamar. And he, he looked sick. I mean, he was so distraught. And uh, Jonadad, who was David's brother, who was also uh, Ammon's point man, if you will, said, hey, um, why do you look so dis you know, down and discouraged and and he says, well, I'm kind of in love with, with Tamar. And um, it should have stopped right there, but it didn't. Jonadad gave him this plan. Why don't you, why don't you have David, your, your father, to come see you and, and you act sick and, and say, hey, why, why, David, Dad, would you ask Tamar to come over and make me a meal? And, and I want to I eat from, from her her cooking, and, and I want her to feed me out of her, her own hands. David should have right there reasoned to himself and thought, no, this stops here, but he didn't. So he sends Tamar, and Tamar goes to, to Ammon. And then Ammon sends everybody out, says, go, go, and he has everybody to, to leave. And then he asks her to come in to his presence and um, he rapes her. Verse 15, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Then Ammon, this is after this heinous crime has been done. Then Ammon hated her with an intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. Ammon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal ascendants, uh, personal servants and said, get this woman out of my sight. Bolt the door after her. So his servant 
put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was a kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Very special to her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away weeping as loud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Ammon your brother been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar, Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all of this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Ammon, either good or bad. He hated Ammon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Let's pray. Father, I ask for your help this morning as I share this word. And God, I pray for people to be healed and free today. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would move in such a way that lives are changed and transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to notice several things, several people's response for what happened in this story. Uh, first of all, look at, look at Absalom. Absalom says, hey, he's your brother. Don't take it to heart. In other words, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just kind of cover it over. And, and listen, I, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. And, 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 and don't, please don't say anything to anybody. Uh, let's just be quiet about this. And, and, and that's what our culture has done for many years. Let's just kind of just, just not talk about it. And, and can I tell you, I've just looked at some recent statistics, and it says sexual abuse, as shown by rape and sexual assault statistics, have affected 41.8% of women in the United States alone. One in three women will have experienced rape, violence, or stalking. Over 50% of the people through adulthood have experienced some kind of psychological aggression. One in three girls and one in five boys are sexually assaulted before the age of 18. For every 1,000 rapes in the United States, 995 perpetrators will go unpunished. The, the truth of abuse is it is real, sexual abuse, and it is painful. And it changes the trajectory of one's life. Literally, two days ago, as I went into a room of a young man who is dying of AIDS. It has caused a, a whirlwind of, of emotions and sent shockwaves through that family and really through our church. His mother's on staff with us and has been for, for about seven years. And um, several years ago, she found out some things that she had never known. For when he was a boy, he was assaulted. She said, how could I have ever missed it? How could I have ever... And then he began to take on the label of being gay. And so now this young man is 40 years old, and if he doesn't receive a miracle, he will die within the next, the next few days. You see, we are not going to 
water down the gospel. We're going to speak honest and we're going to speak truth at Radical Church. Can we say amen? We're not going to cover it up or conceal because that's the enemy. That's what he wants. He wants people to stay in, in, in their hurt and their hatred and unforgiveness. And, but we're not going to do that. We're going to be honest. We're gonna, and we want to help people receive the love of Jesus. And, and so I want to talk to you this morning. Just to give you three short thoughts. This, first of all, truth must be confronted. You see, what you're unwilling to confront will never change. And you just, just hang on to it and you think, it's all good. It's, it's in the past, but it, it, it resurfaces through a lot of different ways. People turn to drugs and alcohol. People turn to pornography. People turn to even, even, even gross, gross, awful things. And, and what happens is, is people will belittle Absalom, that's what he did, was just belittle his sister. He could have said, let me get you some help. Let me, let me show you how much we love you, and we're going we're gonna to get you justice. We're going to confront Ammon, and we're going we're gonna to deal with this sin. You see, the law said that he should be stoned. But Absalom really just, the only thing he did was take her into his home and, and said, listen, um, you know they talked about it every day. Because what happens later is, Absalom has Ammon killed. So for about two years, this hatred continued to grow in his heart. And it's built, and it built up over and over. And I think about Tamar, and she didn't ask for this. In fact, if you'll read on, you'll find that she, she said, don't do this thing. This causes disgrace in Israel. And don't be like one of, one of the, the evil, vile men. And she even went so far as to said, just ask the king. He will, he will make me marry you. She didn't want to marry her half-brother, but she was wanting to do anything she could not to cause this horrible thing from happening. You see, because she knew she would never again wear this, this ornate robe of, of a king's daughter, of being a virgin. It would all be gone. She would forever never be married. She would never have a family. Never would she have opportunity to have children. She would be marked. She would be a disgrace. Think about just how much sexual assault changes people. She fought against with every amount of strength she had, but obviously he overpowered her. She kept saying, no, my brother, do not do this awful thing. And then there's King David. We know him as a man after God's own heart. And we idolize and we put him up here, but can I tell you that King David did not do what was right? Not at all. And, and once he heard of what happened, the Bible says he was furious but he doesn't do anything. And I think that's the church for so many years. We, we're upset and we're angry. And we look at people who have hurt other people through all kinds of sexual wrongs. And we, we, we can develop a hatred for them. But can I tell you, that's not the answer. The answer is to confront with the truth in love. 
And, and, and you say, well, Pastor, it's been many years ago. And, and, and something has been covered up for years. When I preached this message at our church, the very uh, strong leader in our church, he comes up to me after the first worship experience and said, he's crying. And his name, we call him G. And, um, and I said, gee, what's wrong? Are you, you, you physically hurting? He said, no, Pastor, he said, I was working out after work on Friday. And, and he said, God, I'm done. I'm done. He said, I'm going back to drugs. I'm going back to alcohol. I'm quitting the church. I'm done. And God said, wait for two days. He had been sexually abused when he was a little, little boy. He said, I am done. He said, if you don't come through in two days, and what little did he know was that Sunday I preached this very word. And he came up to me after bawling. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. I need to tell you something. I've only told my wife, and that's the only person I've, I've ever told, but I'm free today. He said, Kevin, I felt the weight of this pain and agony removed from me because in his life, in the fact, the last two weeks, he's had joy. He's, I mean, so many, actually longer than that, he's had just the hope that he's had in years. It is my desire this morning. I didn't want to preach this message. I told my wife this was when I first scheduled with Trevor. God said, you're to preach this. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> God, that is way too heavy. God said, listen and obey. Glaucus is a, is a new man. In fact, he said, listen, in the second service, if you want to tell my story. And I said, no, no, no. I said, unless the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling it today at Radical Church. He's free today. I don't know, maybe it was David's pride. You see, David was the king. The king's supposed to have it all together, right? Maybe it was Bathsheba because really, you know what he did with Bathsheba was, it was not consensual. Bathsheba was married to Uriah. David even went so far to try to cover it up or conceal it that he had Uriah killed in battle. And so some of us are thinking, how could I confront something? Because I've made some mistakes. All kinds of reasons and excuses, but at the end of the day, David, he didn't confront. The Bible tells us when King David heard all these things, he became furious Another translation says, because he loved his firstborn son, he did not confront him. You see, real love loves enough to confront. Real love deals with it. David was so permissive as a father. In 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 5, he had a son by the name of Adonai. <clears throat> And Adonai, there was a different mom involved, and he decided he's going to take some, some of his men because each son had, had servants appointed to them, and he got all of the men together, 50 under his appointment, and he got his chariots together, and he was going to overthrow David. You know what the Bible says that David did? He was very upset, but he said not a word to his son. His father never even rebuked him. You see, that's not real love. You see, as a parent, we have to do things that are hard. We're not called to be our son or our daughter. They're buddies, but we're called to be their parents. 
and we parent according to the word of God. And sometimes we have to confront. Jude chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 22, and on some have compassion. Now get this. Making a distinction. Notice the difference. There's compassion and then make a distinction. But others save them with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. There's a distinction. Some people, the kindness of God leads them to repentance. But some people, you have to love them enough to confront them in truth and say, I'm pulling you from the fire. So the repercussions that came from this awful thing, the sexual abuse, were not just for a season, but they lasted David's entire reign as king. In fact, it was passed on down to the next generation and the next generation. And so the day came that Absalom was going to take out his revenge. And he asked King David, hey, come to a party I'm going to have. And King David said, no, but I'll make Ammon go. And so as Ammon is there, Absalom had someone to, to kill his brother. You see, if you don't confront the truth in love, you will see a continual perpetual cycle of hate, of sin, and, and, and let me stop here and just say, if you've been abused, I promise you, our God will love you, will heal your hurts. The lie of the enemy it says you'll never be the same. You're marked. But I want you to know the grace of God covers a multitude of sins, even the sins that have been done unto you. And so understand God's grace is bigger. And if you are living in a situation. We have rescued about six women in the last seven, eight months, domestic abuse. I myself have gone with other people and gotten women out of houses, called 911, and we went to the homes and got women out. Get out. See, pastor, biblical grounds are the fact that if there's adultery, well... And I tell you, God doesn't want you to stay in a situation where your life is being threatened or your children's lives have been threatened. I could go and we could go back and forth in scripture and find, but I want you to know you don't have to live with that continual hurt and hatred. You see, because David refused to confront, Absalom continued to conspire. This is going over and over in his mind. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to give him. A confronted, a confronted person. Let me just give you some stories from Discovery. Wanted to serve in our kids and was serving our youth. And one Sunday I walked by and he was holding a, a four or five year old and I noticed something was not right. And so I just simply said, hey, I need to talk to you. And instantly the Holy Spirit gives me insight and discernment and says he's not to serve. And he had just made an application to serve in our kids and our youth. And I said, no, I confronted him. And I said, I believe there's something that's going on. He himself had been abused. But I said, listen, you're, gonna, you're not going to use this opportunity to start up grooming or abusing our children. And so with love, I said, you need to move on down the road. Come on, somebody say amen. I said, we'll help you get resources, in, and, and, but I've seen it happen. 
one of the hardest times we ever went through as a church. There was a man that was dealing with sexual sins. He was on the dark net. I didn't know. I'm very naive. I got a call from the wife and said she had served as an assistant. And he was also serving. And immediately I called all of our team, our board of directors. I called the sheriff's department. We had a meeting. Pastor Trevor was in that meeting. And that Sunday morning I spoke the truth. I was not about to cover anything up. Once again, the enemy wants you to conceal. He wants you to hide it. I've been at Discovery this Sunday, today, 17 years as a pastor of leading that church. And God has blessed us. We've grown. We've gone through uh, a relocation, three building campaigns. We've, God's blessed us. And, and we've seen some great things. Our second Sunday when I was at Discovery, there was a gentleman playing bongos. I didn't like bongos. <laughs> I still don't like bongos. But, the God, but God began to deal with me. There's something not right, not right, not right. And so after service, I said, listen, we don't, we don't need bongos. And his response immediately in my spirit, he would sit with his wife and this other man would sit by her and I knew that there was something not right. And, and two weeks later, this man, this younger man in his 40s, he and his wife were in his 60s. This man passed away in the middle of the night. I went to the hospital, had a heart attack. His family met me there and I just thought, well, I'll call this other couple. I just gotten to know them and they meet me there. And the next few moments as we're praying for the family, the, the man had passed and um, they said, can we speak to you tomorrow? Tomorrow in my office at eight o'clock, they were already there. And they began to tell me what this family did with her father. They were Swinging. Can I tell you, I'm from eastern Oklahoma, raised on a farm, and that old song, just a swinging, I thought it was actually swinging, not swinging. I'm saying all this to say the worst thing you can do is to say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm not going to deal with it. You have to confront the truth in love. Point number two, the truth must be compelled. Compelled means to bring about a better end. Our world is sick. I can't, I can't, I don't have it in me to, I'm going to tell you what the word of God says, but I, I can't change your circumstance. But God can heal your heart. And he alone can do that. Counseling, yes, I believe stronger, but the greatest of all counselors is Jesus. So if you've been abused, I want you to know God's grace is there. His help and his hope and his healing and the church. Pastor Trevor will help. This team will help. And let me just jump on the other side. If you're abusing, stop. If you're involved in, in sexual sins and you think it, it'll lead to nowhere, it, it's, it, you can stop at any moment. No, it, it, it's a stronghold that must be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. And you'll go so far, and you see the, the statistics tell us that if you've been abused, 
86% of, of the time, you're more likely to abuse. We cannot be apathetic or indifferent. Say, Pastor, this shouldn't be taught in the church. You shouldn't be talking about this. Can I tell you, we've got to teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. And there are people that have been hurting for years. And they need help. And they need hope. And they need the love of Jesus just to consume them so that they know their life is not going to be forever lived back in that moment. But they can go forward in the name of Jesus. I was reading Matthew 27 a few, about a month and a half before I preached this. I began to study that the word says that Jesus was tempted and always known to man, yet he was without sin. And I began to think about how many times when Jesus was flogged and, and abused. And we look at that picture with that nice little robe on Jesus hanging on the cross. But did you know in reality he was completely naked? Did you know he was derobed? And mocked. No telling what they did to our Savior. Theologians say the minimum of times they did this was eight times because that was a, a point of the process of crucifixion. They humiliated those that were being crucified. And yet Jesus could on the cross say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Jesus understands. He alone understands sometimes what we are going through. We have the responsibility to compel people to help them allow the Holy Spirit to bring about a better end. And the last point is this. The truth changes everything. A few years ago, there was a gentleman by the name of Ed Turner walked into our church. He said, you know, I'm homosexual. And I said, give me a hug. And he said, I thought you'd ask me to leave. And I said, no, because this is a place where God changes our hearts. He said, but listen, you don't know. And I said, I don't need to know. It was about two months later that he came forward and gave his heart to Jesus. And he walked up to me, I'll never forget walked up to me and said, I guess I can't serve because I'm, I'm, I'm gay. And I said, Ed, that was BC. And he said, what do you mean? I said, that was before Christ. And he said, but yeah, I'm, I'm always going to be gay. And I said, no, you're not. I said, have you lived in sin since you've been saved? Well, no. He said, God has taken that desire from me. He said, every once in a while I'll think, but he said, I've been delivered. And I said, you can start serving. He became our greeter. Everybody loved Dad. Not very many people knew his story. Because why? Because people will often label people. So I said, I told my staff, and that was about it. Everybody loved Dad. Some time went on, and he said, I love kids. Can I serve in kids? And I said, Sure. We do the process, the background check. We do all this. Ed loved it. There was one Sunday. He looked into kids. He wasn't serving, but he, he went back that one Sunday and our children's pastor said, it made me cry. He said, I was teaching and Ed, tears, we were crying. Now he has, it was so, so much. 
there was water literally running on the, the window that you could see through the door. After church that day, he caught me and said, can I, can I take you to lunch? Normally, I was sending them through our administrative team, but that day, I, I just felt my spirit. It was, it was about two weeks before Christmas. And I said, yes, you can. Normally, I, I like to be in control and I like to kind of gauge my time. And so I said, normally, I would drive. And he came by and he said, I want to drive you. I said, okay, we went to lunch. He said, I want you to see my house. I said, okay. He said, can I see your house? I said, sure. Went to my house and said, with them for three hours. But I knew there was a plan for that day. Because when we get to my house, he said, I said, Kevin, I got to tell you something. He said, is it okay if I just call you Kevin? I said, yeah. He said, I respect you. You're my pastor. He said, I want to tell you. He said, when I was eight years old, my dad's brother would come over and he abused me time and time again. I told my dad, I kept telling my dad, and my dad said, son, you're lying. My, my brother would never do such a thing. He said, I would have nightmares. And he said, I didn't know anything about Jesus. Upon the one, maybe two church services my entire life. He said, but I want you to know God's forgiven me. And did you know I forgave my uncle and my dad? And he said, I have freedom like I've never had. We were on a family ski trip, Christmas Day. Ed developed COVID. He called me, he was already on a respirator. He called me, he said, Pastor, I gotta tell you something. He said, I don't want you praying for my healing. I want you to pray for God's will. But he said, I'll win either way. He said, God has delivered me and set me free. But he said, I want you to know the freedom from being able to forgive my uncle and my dad has changed my life. And I could, he's, he's talking, I could barely understand because he's talking with actually the respirator on. And, 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 and he said, I win either way. It wasn't 10 minutes later that the family called me that Ed went home to be with Jesus. 58 years old. Don't continue keeping it to yourself. I preached this message at Discovery Church and there was a hush. It was like God began to do a work of, of grace in our church. This is how much God wants you to know there's freedom from, from abuse and sexual sin. In the lineage of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 1, he lives four women. Women aren't listed in the genealogy, but he lists four women. He lists Rahab, who was a prostitute. He lists Tamar, not this Tamar, but another Tamar, who was also a prostitute. He listed Rahab, 
who also struggled with sexual sin. And then he simply refers to Bathsheba as Uriah's wife, pointing directly to David's sin. And he lists them, he lists them in Matthew 1 as a badge of honor. Not so look we would look down on them, but we would so, look, so that we would look up on them. So I want you to know. God says, I got you. And no matter what's been done, He's got a plan. And His plan doesn't want you staying here. He wants to elevate you and promote you and love you. I want you to receive freedom today, hope today. Let's pray. One of the reasons why this is very near and dear to my heart. My mom was raised in a large family. There was 11 kids. And every once in a while, mom will give me tidbits. Mom was raised in, a, in an awful environment. She saw sexual abuse, but mom gave her heart to Jesus when she was eight years old. I'm living proof that God's grace is bigger than your hurt, bigger than your pain. He loves you. I know this has been heavy today. And I just want to give a, a call, first of all, for salvation. If you need Jesus to forgive you of sin, I, I'm not going to call out your specific sin, so I'm not going to do anything to try to embarrass anybody. But if you need Jesus to forgive you, on the count of three, just raise your hand right there where you are. God's grace is bigger. You need Jesus to forgive you on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah. Up four hands, five hands, six hands. Everybody's at church. We don't, we don't want anybody to pray alone. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Take away my guilt. Take away my shame. And come into my heart right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.